Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Mod Path Chat, the official podcast of modern pathology, featuring interviews with authors and experts on the latest science, technology, and developments in the field of pathology. Your host, Dr. George Netto, is the editor-in-chief of Modern Pathology and the chair of pathology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Here's Dr. Netto. Welcome to this year's first episode of ModPath Chat. It gives me a great pleasure to have Dr. Holger Mock as our Meet the Expert guest today. Dr. Mock is a professor of pathology at the University of Zurich, where he has served as chairman of the Department of Pathology and Molecular Pathology since 2004. My goodness, 17 years. That's a lot of work. For two decades, Professor Mock has led a most vibrant translational research program. His work has deepened our understanding of the molecular pathways in GU tumors in general, but specifically in renal cell carcinoma. Holger is a member of the German National Academy of Science, Leopoldina, the Swiss Academy of Medical Sciences, and he is the immediate past president of the European Society of Pathology. Dr. Mock is heavily involved in the WHO Blue Book series. He was an editor of the 2016 fourth editions for GU Tumor Book, and is currently a standing member of the editorial board for the entire fifth series. Thank you, Holger, for joining me. Thank you, George, for giving me the opportunity to have this uh, podcast. It's a new format, and I'm really excited about your idea to have this uh, in connection to modern pathology. Thank, Thank you, you very much. I'm looking forward to our talk. Thank you. And I really appreciate everything you do for Modern Pass and all the support uh, you offer uh, USCAP and in your role as the immediate uh, ex-president, uh, your efforts in bringing uh, great two organizations across the Atlantic uh, together. So uh, we uh, we are thrilled. So you, you've had, to say the least, you've had a most inspiring and uh, rewarding career and uh, you're so young, so you still have uh, decades to go, uh, and uh, we look forward to that success. But I want to take you back, uh, without aging you, we want to take you back to the days of Charité, when you started uh, going to medical school. What really led you, what interested you in pathology? Why pathology? Yes, George, thanks for this question. So sometimes it's good to look back and um 
Uh, I am really fascinated um, about the different experiences uh, pathology allowed me to see and the different levels of pathology um, within a relatively short time. So my career started in Berlin um, before the wall came down and um, there I started my Uh, immediately after my medical um, study or study of medicine uh, with pathology because um, I was not sure what I should do. Uh -huh. uh, I had no idea about my specialization and I thought the only uh, discipline allowing me to see the human in general and to have a very broad view on the human body and human disease is pathology. And this is the best starting point to do uh, then a specialization in medicine. And of course, if you are in Berlin, you are confronted with the name of Virchow. Wow. Uh, all of you know uh, Virchow's triad and um, you know what Virchow has done uh, for pathology. And this was uh, the building um, from Rudolf Virchow with this huge collection and um, the fascinating historical collection. So, and we went through every um, day when we heard pathology lectures. And uh, this was part of the um, decision to go into pathology. Uh, this was the um, charisma and the name of Virchow. My goodness. And then I started pathology. And um, this was the era of immunohistochemistry. And I'm still um, I'm happy what I have seen uh, in the last 20 years. I have seen the implementation of immunohistochemistry, how immunohistochemistry has changed the view on um, um, human diseases, The next level was in molecular um, pathology with the single uh, gene analysis, how this concept has changed uh, our view in pathology. And nowadays, for a few years, we see another dramatic change in pathology. And this is next generation sequencing. And this is a multi-gene characterization of human diseases, uh, big data, digital pathology. So, but for my career in pathology, these three steps, immunohistochemistry, single gene analysis, and multi-gene analysis were really, really fascinating. And um, in my Berlin time, I, uh, we have seen the days of Harald Stein when he developed these different antibodies. And I have seen in the uh, in front of the pathology building a small animal house where the pathologists have still produced their own antibodies hmm. so they had the animals in front of their building and produced their own antibodies and on the other side of the wall was Harald Stein and he was uh, affiliated with Darko and he has revolutionized the way how we uh, classify a lymphoma so, and this was, um, in my view, the first thing when I did my first 100 autopsies and when I uh, immediately saw the 
influence of a novel technology um, on our understanding of uh, lymphomas and lymphoma classification. When I decided this is the specialty I want to do, this is what I'm going for. And now we see another um, um, revolution in pathology, and this is next generation sequencing. And I'm sure we can discuss this later on when we talk about classifications, renal tumor classifications. But I'm still fascinated uh, what I was able to see in the last um, years. And then I moved to Switzerland and um, there uh, was, uh, and I was still happy that I was um, uh, doing this um, specialization. And then I decided after my um, residency to go to the United States. And um, I went to UCSF, and this was another revolution. And then we have seen fluorescence in cytohybridization and comparative genomic hybridization. And you are also well aware of um, Dan Pinkel's work and um, others there who uh, tried to um, develop uh, fish probes. And then we were looking into the fluorescence microscope and we seen, have seen the genes in the tissue. And we were counting gene signals and we have seen first amplifications and the first um, translocations. This was a fascinating time um, um, at UCSF. And at the same time, uh, they developed um, a comparative genomic hybridization from tissue, from formerly fixed tissue. And again, uh, we have seen the chromosomes in the tissue and we have seen the first amplifications and we have seen um, the impact of uh, the uh, amplifications in bladder cancer and other tumors. And this was really fascinating. This combination of genome alterations in the tissue, the diagnostic value, and the conceptual understanding of molecular pathology for um, a tumor classification. That's uh, a great segue into clearly, you know, lis listening and seeing you, uh, which the audience don't have uh, the benefit of. Yeah, of, of you say, you, I think pathology is the only discipline where you can do everything. You have the connection to basic cancer research. And you um, meet people like uh, Joe Gray at UCSF, Dan Pinkel, Oli Kalyonemi from Finland, who uh, invented uh, comparative general hybridization, developed fish, and later on, and this was also a fascinating time, when together with Oli Kalyonemi and the Basel Group, um, there in Basel, we have then transferred the um, invention of Kalyonemi of tissue microarrays into pathology. So this was another revolution, I think. And um, the, the, when we studied one case with fish or comparative genomic hybridization for days or months and to try to develop uh, or find the signals, and then came the tissue microarray technology and you could study 1,000 tumors at once. And we argued it's a, a way to um, uh, do research that we combine um, the, the findings of uh, 1,000 tumors 
and you can study one tumor for 1,000 genes. And this was then the era of expression arrays when you could study a few hundred genes. And on the other hand, you had 1,000 tumors at once. So another revolution. So really, really fascinating. And I don't, um, uh, I think this was the right decision to go into pathology. And on the other hand, when you are at home, you are sitting now in tumor boards, you interact with clinicians and you can tell them now which drug for which disease after an NGS analysis, this is really great. So I was, uh, I was, uh, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was saying, you know, you can see it in your eyes, uh, the continuous excitement, uh, even looking back. And, uh, and that's really the field, the field is lucky that you, uh, you were in that, uh, uh, Virchow building and and you got uh, interested in the field for all your contribution uh which i want to i want to have uh, maybe you know a word of wisdom from you to you mentioned how many what you call them revolution how many changes and new technologies came across during your uh, career so far what is your advice to uh, trainees to pathologists especially those who are interested in becoming physician scientists in the field and uh, pursuing uh, hopefully a translational career where they help us identify the things that uh, have not been identified yet and can be exploited for uh, management of human disease. Yeah, I think this is um, a very personal decision for each of uh, the um, students going into pathology. You, um, I strongly recommend if you want to go into an academic career to spend uh, a year or two years or longer in, in a very good lab. But you should um, make a decision which technology you um, follow. So my uh, view was always to um, choose a technology what um, should find a place in pathology or in tissue diagnostics. So um, uh, because these are the technologies which are um, important for the future. And the second topic is that you should understand basic researchers and the way they think so that you um, go into this scientific thinking. And then um, you should stick with that, what you can do in pathology. So you should become a really good pathology, a good diagnostic pathologist. So therefore, uh, do uh, your, uh, carefully your residency, get exposed to a number of cases, and this, then I um, learned a lot from the tissue microarrays. Um, so to construct a tissue microarray with 1,000 cases of one entity, this teaches you a lot. So this makes you a better pathologist. So in this combination of being a good pathologist with a good, after a good residency program and basic research with the technology, this uh, helps you for a sustainable career in pathology. Good advice. Great advice. Uh, and definitely uh, looking at a thousand tumors, selecting areas, gives you all the possible variations of that, that uh, tumor and, and empower you as a morphologist. Uh, I fully agree with that. So uh, we, we can't... Uh, 
have an episode without uh, you telling us about uh, your journey with renal cell carcinomas. And uh, probably there is no single uh, organ, uh, at least in the GU system, that uh, tumors of which have witnessed such a change in classifications as, as renal cell carcinoma. It used to be simple for people like me, papillary versus clear. And now we have uh, many, many choices, unfortunately, to choose from, which torture us on a day-to-day basis. Where uh, Can you comment uh, uh, about your experience with that? And where do you see renal cell uh, tumor classification? heading. Uh, I know uh, the WHO's uh, first edition is, is coming soon, and uh, you had a couple of words to say about that. So maybe share with our audience. Yes, this is uh, now for me a very um, personal journey through the different classification types. And um, what I just said, it started with basic research. Uh, so Uh, My boss told me, uh, you should do something on renal cancer. That's an interesting topic, but there is not much much, um, what um, we know at the moment. And this was in uh, um, in 1994 about. uh, And um, definitely, as you said, this was a clear cell cancer where this... um, let's say papillary cancer, or in, in Europe, uh, there was another classification, clear cell versus eosinophilic versus uh, chromophobe. And then um, I left the office of my boss and another staff member told me, don't do research on kidney cancer, it's worthless. And useless. Useless um, because um, they look all the same and it has no impact on treatment and um, on, on, on the um, surgery or on oncology decisions. So, and then I went into to UCSF uh, in my um, um, luggage, uh, 100 renal tumors, uh-huh. uh, which I selected from the archives. And um, then uh, we did uh, the comparative genomic hybridizations, and we could confirm the... Um, uh, proposal at that time that clear cell cancer is characterized by 3P deletion and a single uh, gene mutation. So this was interesting. And then we found um, 9P deletions, which have a prognostic impact. But this was only prognosis. And this gave me the opportunity when I came back to present these data at the Heidelberg Conference on renal tumor classification. And this was my first exposure as a very young pathologist just coming back from this research uh, stay in the San Francisco, by the way, in nice city. And uh, I met um, Burton Spar, and he was the um, first person who came up with the idea that the clear cell cancer is characterized by a gene mutation, uh, tumor suppressor gene inactivation, also in sporadic cases. Um, And um, then we came up at the Heidelberg Conference with the concept of the Americans and the Europeans, Uh that we should classify uh, renal cancer in clear cell, maybe papillary. And then we have the uh, rare tumor types, chromophobes, collecting duct cancers. 
And this was my first exposure to the um, power of classifications and how classifications have an impact on basic research. Uh, so it's a back and goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. So and, and then there was the invitation to the first WHO classification conference in Lyon. And then I met uh, many uh, other American pathologists. Um, also, we met someone. And um, there were the groups of the ISOP. Uh, and, and then we discussed for three days the classification. And this was, for me, uh, a very important uh, moment when I have seen how um, classifications um, reflect the current understanding on a disease, or in this case, on our understanding how tumors behave and how important it is to have a classification for the whole world and that we collect um, experiences about this classification, but that this is a very dynamic field that after five, six years, we uh, accumulate new knowledge, and then we have to rethink about uh, the um, uh, classification and the value and the new knowledge. And here I see the strength of the American pathologists, especially of the USCAP meetings and the value of journals like Modern Pathology, for instance, that uh, again and again um, we collect new cases in the best case scenario, we collect these cases worldwide to get uh, larger cohorts. And then we um, um, study them by molecular methods. We uh, look for their clinical behavior and the morphology. And this is uh, uh, the way how I think we should um, do basic research, uh, genomic research, but still make the link to the morphology. And what we see now more and more is that after um, identification of a clear molecular background, we go back to the microscope. Then we see morphological patterns. And then we it's an eye-opener. Then we can um, say, okay, this is a new entity. Mm-hmm. And this is a reproducible entity. And then um, after five, six years, we accept this at a consensus conference together with uh, experts from the whole world. And when all of them agree and say, okay, this is a new entity, we um, have another five years to um, um, uh, accumulate data. If this was a good idea to have new entities, and then we um, develop all these classifications. And now we are in the um, time of an upcoming renal tumor classification, and again, we will have novel entities. And this uh, uh, leads us now to the new um, uh, chances of uh, the molecular era, um, because in now in, in the past we had the tumor classification according to WHO criteria, and these are mainly uh, morphological criteria. But uh, Now in many countries in the Western world, but also in India and in other countries, we have next generation sequencing. And this novel um, diagnostic technology 
will completely change our approach to a tumor classification. But this is also a challenge. Uh, can we have a classification of what is completely based on uh, molecular diagnostics or will the morphology survive? And uh, going by certain other organs like brain tumors and lymphoma you mentioned uh, in your beginning, uh, it seems like the molecular classifications is is unavoidable. Uh, and, and it's also, I think that would apply to renal tumors as more and more, uh, like you said, uh, you, you, you find a molecular classification, molecular uh, change, uh, you take it, draw it back to the morphology and then you reverse back. But, uh, but hopefully we can uh, still have a place for morphology because it's hard to imagine that every tumor we get before we do anything, we sequence it to, to decide what kind of tumor it is. You agree with that approach or, uh, or are we going completely molecular? Therefore, I'm grateful that you were asking me for my first days in pathology. When I saw um, on the other side of the wall, Harald Stein, and, and he based his um, classification from coming from the older um, Kiel classification of lymphomas, he based his classification of Im on Im immunohistochemistry. In um, renal cancer, there was a big time of uh, the conventional cytogenetics and the Heidelberg classification was based in principle on the finding that clear cell cancer uh, has 3P deletions and papillary cancer have gains of chromosome 7 and 17. And chromophobe cancers have losses of many, many chromosomes. And um, this was another era, uh, technology-driven. This was definitely technology-driven. And in brain tumors, um, they are very advanced. And even in, in leukemia lymphoma classification, you, they are very advanced in their molecular classification. But the time is not right for renal tumor classification. So we have implemented next-generation sequencing. We see translocation. We have already uh, uh, translocation carcinomas. But the time is not yet right to make, a, um, um, let's say, structured molecular or a consequent molecular classification in renal tumors. Therefore, I would define uh, now the time as a transition phase where we should try to implement molecular findings in a classification system. But we cannot do this for all tumors. I think the brain tumor classification or even in, in pediatric tumors, they already implement uh, the NGS findings and they have an integrated or a layered diagnosis where they try to implement, uh, let's say, proteomic findings, uh, methylation patterns, also in leukemia, uh, leukemias and myeloid neoplasms, they base their classification uh, on molecular findings. So I think this is very entity-specific developments. It will be stepwise. Uh, so brain tumors are advanced. Leukemia um, and lymphomas are also very advanced um, with this different layer approach. But in renal tumors, we um, define now a starting point 
where we have some entities which, um, like translocation carcinomas, uh, for sure there will be the TCEB1 mutated renal carcinomas. Uh, we have SDHB um, deficient renal cell carcinomas. We have uh, fumarat hydratase deficient tumors. These are clearly um, molecularly defined tumors. But to be honest, uh, we have clear cell renal cell carcinoma where only 70% have um, 3P deletions and only 50% have VHL mutations. So the most common renal tumor type is not purely defined yeah. by a molecular alteration, only 50%. So what is about with the remaining 30 to 50%? So the, the future will show. So therefore we decided or we discussed at the WHO classification with you and with all, all the other experts in urogenical tumors that we uh, admit it's a transition phase, but we have clearly defined, um, molecularly defined entities and others which are still morphology defined. And the second question now is, um, how can we diagnose these molecularly defined tumors? And clearly it can be a simple immunohistochemistry. For fumarat hydratase, you do uh, the uh, immunohistochemistry SDHB decision, uh, um, deficient tumors, you do immunohistochemistry, has not been a sophisticated NGS analysis, but NGS will help us to define the entities. And maybe in the future, um, we uh, have a urinal tumor panel. And I'm aware of some publications in modern pathology where uh, you are. Uh, a forerunner in this um, in, in publication of these uh, such papers, where uh, maybe in, in nature or science it's uh, they say it's not so important, but uh, I think uh, journals like yours they drive this development by um, publication of pathologists' manuscripts uh, who try to combine morphology and um, molecular findings. Thank you. This has uh, been fascinating and, and very informative. And uh, uh, I love the personal touch. And uh, I'm proud of having you as a colleague. And I'm very grateful that uh, you joined us today. And I'm sure uh, the audience uh, will, will enjoy this podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, George. Any opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views of modern pathology, Springer Nature, UAB, or USCAP. Your ModPath chat host and scientific director is Dr. George Netto. Producers are Christina Crow, Amber Jackson, Dr. Sarah Jang, and Dr. Catherine Ketchum. Technical direction is provided by Kaminsky Productions, music by Mitch Neubauer. Thanks to the authors, reviewers, and editors of Modern Pathology for making this podcast possible.